are. God, thank you for paying the price for our sins. God, thank you for loving us enough not to leave us where we were, God. Thank you for loving us just how we were in the worst of worst of our circumstances. You still died for us, God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. Man, what a good day to be in church this morning. You guys can grab a seat. Are you feeling what I'm feeling this morning? Man, I feel God in this place. I really do. And, you know, maybe you're here and you're not feeling what we're all feeling and you're wondering what we're all excited about. You know what? Maybe before today's over, you get a little bit of taste about this, of this Jesus that we're all jacked up about. You know, man, he's the best thing that's ever happened to us. Can I, can I share a little story with you before we get going? I'm so excited about what God is doing in my life in this season. I'm so excited about what God's doing in your life. I love what he's doing in and through our church. We had one heck of a crazy story come our way earlier this week, and I wanted to share it with you guys. Look, guys, God is moving. God is doing some awesome stuff in and through Life Point Church, and, and not just our church, a lot of churches in the area, and I'm very excited about what he's doing in his big church across the area, and I'm very, very excited about what he's doing here, though. Got a phone call Monday night, late Monday night, after a directional team meeting, and I was ready to hit the pillow and wake up the next day. You know, you ever had nights like that where it's just like, it's sleep time? Well, I took the phone call, and it was, it was my sister. So you got to love how family will just come in sometimes and, and hit you with, with, with these questions. But this was a good one, though. This was a good one. My sister called me and said, Josh, you're not going to believe what's happening. I, did, I, just, I had to share it with you. So I said, okay, bring it on. Tell me what's going on. Well, we launched our app last Sunday, but we've been, like, piping messages from LifePoint Church out um, you know, over SoundCloud and, and different things like that, get the word out there. Well, she and her husband were going on an anniversary trip. And while they were on their anniversary trip, they happened to be listening to a message that we did here not too long ago on how to have a good marriage. How many of y'all remember that? Yeah, it's good stuff. So they were listening to that, to that message, and God just really started moving in them. I mean, if you're going away with your spouse on an anniversary trip, and then you're listening to a message on how to have a good marriage. I mean, that's just money in the bank right there, you know. You're focused on it. God's going to do stuff. So it really blessed them. They get back from their trip, and this is where it gets cool. My brother-in-law goes to work, and he got this buddy there he works with. And what my brother-in-law does is he'll fly into a, a, a mine over in North Alaska and work for a couple of weeks, and then he'll fly back home and have a week off. You know, with his family, fly back, work a couple of weeks, fly back. So when he's at work, he's at work. Can't get away from it. So he was, he was talking with one of his buddies at work, and his buddy was like, man, I'm just going through it right now. I don't think my marriage is going to make it. Like, they're talking about the big D word, divorce. Uh, we've, we've just run our course. There's just no way. I don't see it happening. We're probably just going to end this thing and move on with life. So my brother-in-law said, you know what, before you do that, why don't you listen to this? And he played that message for this guy, and he listened to it. And God just began to work in his heart and work in his life. And my brother-in-law said, man, you could just see walls start to fall off of this guy the more and more the message that he listened to. Before it was all said and done, when the message was over, the dude was on his knees rededicating his life to Jesus because of a message that came out of Life Point Church. Is that awesome or what? So he said, listen, 
Listen, maybe, maybe, maybe there's something to this. So he rededicated his life to God and immediately picked up the phone and he called his wife and said, Listen, um, it's been rough, but I think we still got a shot. I think if we focus on God and, and, we, and we really go after this thing, I think there's a shot for us. You know that that guy's family is now back in church. And they are working on their marriage. And God is restoring what the devil tried to rob away from them. And I praise God for what he's doing there. That's just awesome, isn't it? <clears throat> well, it gets better. It gets better. This is how good God is, okay? One person listened to a message. It impacted them. They shared it with somebody else. Completely changed their life and started a restoration process in their marriage. Well, now these guys are at this mining camp. And they've kind of had... This, this so-so kind of Bible study just so they could have some semblance of, of, of consistency in their walk with God while they're away from the house for two weeks. And, and you can imagine uh, a mine in northern Alaska separated from all society has got to be the best climate for God. I'm sure there's no cussing, no drinking, no nothing going on with all these roughnecks getting out there. You know, Half of them are criminals anyway running from the law and they just got a job up there. So anyway... <laughs> so, so they Joanne's like yeah I know I've been there I've seen that so they see what God did they get all I mean you know when you see God move you get excited but when you see God do something through you man that will jack you up spiritually you'll just get I mean on cloud nine pumping for God you know and uh, that's what happened so these guys got fired up and they started it just kind of transferred over into their little Bible study. And it's gone from about three to five people to over 20 people showing up to this Bible study now. These bunch of redneck, roughneck miners up in Alaska are getting some Jesus. This whole area is on fire for God right now. Listen to this. They read the Bible. They go through some little study books. And they listen to the Life Point podcast. Every time we put a new one out for their study there. Guys, God is moving through this thing that we've got started here. Let's give God some praise for that. Is that not cool or what? Man, good, good stuff. We can just dismiss and go home. How about that? Good worship and a good story like that. Man, I can't wait to see what God is going to do with this thing before it's all said and done. Amen? Mm -mm 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 -mm. Are y'all ready to get into this this morning? Y'all want some good word? How many of you are excited and you're ready to have the Word of God impact your life this morning? Yeah? All right, let's pray and let's dive into this. God, I thank you so much for the truth of your Word. Lord, I just speak over this service that you do what you want to do in this place, Father, that you move and you have your way in our lives, God. I pray that not one wall or one defense will stand up, Lord, that you would speak just straight to our hearts to get us closer to you so we can become the people you've called us to be, Father. Lord, I pray for all the churches in the area, Lord, that are having services this morning. Lord, I just pray that you give the men of God what to say and how to say it as they bring the word. Lord, I pray that your anointing is in those places as worship is happening. Lord, I pray that you change lives all over Douglas County, all over the state, all over this country, Father. Change people and draw them closer to you. God, we give you praise and we give you glory for what you're going to do, not just here at Life Point, but everywhere, Father. Lord, let the fire of your gospel spread and impact lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to talk today about how to simplify things a little bit in life. How many of you ever had seasons where life just gets 
a little bit too complicated. And you wish you could just go to that special spot 10,000 miles away and just unplug where the phone doesn't work and you don't have to see what's on the news and, and the kid that's driving you crazy can't, can't get it. You don't have to hear mommy, mommy, mommy anymore or, you know, the boss can't get in touch with you. Sometimes it's nice just to take a deep breath and simplify things. Life can get way too complicated. And, and I know this because I recently had car trouble. How many of y'all can relate with that? Cars never break at the best time ever. Uh, we've had beautiful, sunny weather in the 70s. And I'm like, is this, this is winter in Georgia? They say if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. It's going to change. Um, and now we're getting into this cold snap. Winter's kind of returned a little bit. Well, my car waited till winter returned to break down. So I get to get out there and try to fix it in the cold, stinking weather. Uh, praise God, I got some good friends that, that helped me walk through the process of getting it done. Man, it's a blessing when you got good friends. It's a double blessing when you got good friends that know how to fix stuff. <laughs> um, so car broke down, and it, what, what happened was it was starting to run hot. Kelly called me and said, hey, the car's running hot. And I thought, oh, no. So I'm going through my very limited knowledge of automobiles trying to figure out. Like, I, can get, I know just enough about cars to get myself in trouble. You know, I can do basic maintenance and all that, but when you start taking big stuff off the engine, I'm like, mm, YouTube, okay, what's up? How do I do this right here? You know, get myself in trouble with that. So usually when a car's running hot, guys, you know, what's, what's the first thing that you check? You, you, you chart, see, coolant, that's what y'all said. Josh didn't think that. Josh thought, thermostat. I'm going to check the thermostat. And so my vision just went straight to thermostat. And, buddy, I had the car running, and it was starting to run hot, and I'm checking hoses to see if they've got pressure and if they're getting hot and if the, the coolant's transferring and circulating around like it's supposed to. Josh was like, yeah, I guarantee you this is what it's going to be. It's going to be the thermostat. It's going to be the thermostat. And uh, so I was like, I'm going to go and, and pick one up. So I went and I bought a thermostat for the car, got it back, and I'm getting ready to change this thing, and, and I pick up the phone, and I call my dad, and I'm like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change out this thing. I'm going to change the thermostat on the car because it's overheating. Um, and he said, yeah? I said, yeah. He goes, I know this is probably going to be a crazy question, but did you, did you check the coolant first? <laughs> Ever had those moments in life where you know you're not going to be up for the, like this, the, the smartest person in the world award for that day? Where you just do something boneheaded and you just like, yeah. So he says, uh, you check the coolant. And I was like, mm. no, nah, I didn't. You know what? Let me check that real fast. So I had to wait for the car to cool down. Check the coolant. And you know what? what you know what happened? There wasn't any coolant in there. It was, it was like more than halfway low on the coolant. Cars overheating. Yeah. Something basic like coolant put coolant in it, and then we found the leak in the system that was causing the coolant to drain out. And I'll go in, fix it, and it's going to be no problem. But I focused on something that I thought was the culprit, and I overcomplicated the situation. Where if I had just backed off and just went over the basics, coolant, then you check the rest of the stuff and went through the basic process, it would have been a whole lot less complicated. It would have been a whole, a whole lot more simple and I would have not bought a thermostat that I didn't need. Sometimes 
we can make our own lives really complicated if we're not careful. You ever been there? Where you, you try to jump in and fix something, and you try to focus on something, and especially in your relationship with God, where we think we know better about what we need to work on in our lives and what God wants to do in our heart at any given time. We can overcomplicate things and make things oh, so much more work than they really need to be. One of the best examples about that we find in the, in, in, in the Old Testament, if we aren't careful, we can find ourselves overcomplicating things that God intended to be very simple. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, open them up to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, and I want to show you one of the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Pretty simple, right? Pretty simple. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. How many of y'all know what the midrash is? Yeah, some of y'all are like, is that a medical condition? What in the world is that? <laughs> Pastor Josh, I don't think we're going to be coming to church today because my wife done got the midrash. She ain't going to make it today. You know, that's not what, that's not what uh, midrash is. Midrash is, this, now listen to this, this is how we can get a hold of something simple that God lays out for us and make it way more complicated than it needs to be. This is additions. What are you showing me? What are you showing me? Bring it up here. See, this is way more complicated than it needs to be. I can't see you. Pull my T-shirt down. My T-shirt. My T-shirt. My T-shirt. Okay, now. My shirt was up. Was it folded up? Okay, that's a wife for you. She's like holding the sign. She's trying to make it way more complicated. Here I am, simplifying stuff. We didn't stage that, by the way. That's real life right there. That's a wife loving her husband. Oh, my God. Thank you, babe. I love you. Pull it down. My T-shirt. Pull it down. Is it good? I look good now? Anthony, do I look okay? I'm good. What was going on? Y'all seeing my zipper? That wasn't good? Okay. We don't want to know the pastor that well. Back to the Sabbath. All right. So the Midrash, what they would do is these guys thought that the law by itself that God gave Moses was just too simple. And they wanted, they wanted to jump in there and explain because they thought, you know what, that's... That's just too simple. We need to further explain and build on what God told people. So if we want to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, we need to explain what the Sabbath is, how we keep it holy, how much we can do before work is actually work to define this stuff for the people to understand. So the Midrash was literally laws that the Pharisees of the time added on to the Ten Original Commandments to further explain what God was trying to say to the people to clarify it so that everyone could understand it. Make sense? Well, check this out. For this one law, keeping the Sabbath holy, they came up with 39, 39 sub-rules or subcategories. Go ahead and put that up there, Ella. 39 sub-rules to explain what work was, how many steps you can take before it's work. Literally, how many words you could write down before it started to become work. 
how many times you could lift a glass to your mouth to get something to drink before it was worked. Now, this, if this was just enough, it would be fine. I could probably keep up with 39 things. But these guys went crazy, and there's actually subcategories to help explain the 39 categories that these guys came up with to explain how to keep the Sabbath holy and to honor it. Are you ready for this? There are literally thousands of laws, thousands of rules for that one commandment laid out by the Pharisees to help explain to everybody what the Sabbath is and how to keep it holy. How much work is too much work? Just one. For all the commandments, can you imagine how many rules existed for these guys to follow? It's insane. Absolutely insane that they would even try to come up with something that God gave us we got a hold of it. we got a way of getting a hold of what God wants to do in and through us and just complicating the mess out of it, don't we? And it would be easy to point fingers at the Pharisees and say, Naughty, naughty, naughty Pharisees, you shouldn't complicate the Word of God. Shame on you. Pharisees are bad. But man, how many times do we do that in our own lives? How many times do we complicate this walk with God for new Christians when it doesn't have to be complicated? Well, you've got to act a certain way. Well, you're supposed, to be, you're supposed to talk a certain way. When we come to church, we dress up and we do it. When we come to church, listen, don't come to church if you're addicted to porn because you need to get that stuff right. We don't want any porn people around here. Listen, if you got drunk last night, we don't need drunks in church. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I can't wait till this church is full of drunks. I can't wait till this church is full of people hooked on porn. I can't wait till this church is full of people going through hell in their marriage because I know I serve a God who can speak to those situations and restore it. Because God changes us from the inside out, not from the outside in. And if we're not careful, we can be so jacked up with our theology and our whole perception of our relationship with God that we try to fit people in a box that God never intended to exist in the first place. Let people grow up in their relationship with God as God grows them up. You don't make people perfect because they're in trouble. Look, look, if it's up to us to try to make people perfect, we're in trouble. Because I don't know if you like checked out your situation here lately. I can speak from my like We're jacked up people, guys. I mean, how many of y'all can say, man, you know what? Yeah, I got enough to work on with my life. I don't even need to be concerned about what's going on in somebody else's life. So when Jesus showed up on the scene... He had this culture of legalism and just religious mess that he began to confront. And so he walked around and he started dropping statements like this. Matthew 22, um, if you'll put that up on the screen. Matthew chapter 22, starting at verse 35. One of them, an expert in the law, testing with this question. Here's the Pharisees. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Well, that's an open statement right there in the law. How many thousands of sub-rules and rules are you talking about in there? And Jesus replied, love God with, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Peace. And then he just kept walking. Can you imagine how that melted the minds of the Pharisees? They've got 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of rules and laws they're trying to come up with and keep up with. And Jesus just says, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. He just took a match and burnt down their whole little party house. Just, <laughs> just torched it all. No wonder they couldn't stand him. Let me just simplify this for you, Jesus said. Love God. Love God. And then turn around and love people with the same love that he showed you. There's your laws. There's your rules. Because he knew if you draw closer to God, and you don't have to worry about doing all of these external things to fix yourself. If you draw closer to God, then by hanging out with him, what, somebody's calling, say hey for me. So if you draw closer to God, you become more like him because you're hanging out with him. When you draw closer to God, he begins to change your heart. And it's an inside-out thing. You don't change because you have to. You don't stop fighting with your spouse because it's the right thing to do. You stop fighting with your spouse because God changes you on the inside. And you begin to see that whole relationship completely different. And your, your, your whole motivation is, you know what? I want to love you like God loved me. Simplifies it. It's not something we're trying to fix on our own. It's just something that flows right in. Uh, Jesus went even further, guys. When he hung on the cross, when he died, what happened to the veil that was in the temple? Oh, he ripped it right in two. Ripped it right in two. And some of you may know why that's powerful, but let me tell you real quick. It's so powerful because in, in the old, old school, Old Testament, the only person that could go into the Holy of Holies in the temple was the high priest. Only dude. And he could only go in there one time a year. One dude could enter into there, could go into the presence of God. When Jesus died, he split that veil from the top to the bottom, from God to us, and said, no more, no more division, no more high priest, no more somebody you have to go through, no more religion, no more rules, no more law. It's just you and me hanging out because I want to be with you. He said, listen, you might not want to hang out with me right now, but when you get around to it, I've opened up the front door so you can come on in and hang out anytime that you want to. Anytime you want to. Love God. Let people know how much God loves them. And then he says, I just want to hang out with you. There's no hoops to jump through. Get to know me. Let me change you from the inside out. Takes all the pressure off of what we try to complicate so many times in our walk with God, doesn't it? Oh, Pastor Josh, don't you know the Bible says we're supposed to disciple people? Yeah, that's great. And speak the truth in love. But I have yet, I have yet to change somebody's life. God's always changed somebody's life through me. It's always when somebody has some kind of realization of God in a way that they haven't seen him before, and he begins to work in their heart. I've never been able to take somebody's wife or children hostage in order to get them to change. That sounds extreme, but man, if we're not careful as a church, we can find ourselves trying to manipulate people into becoming what we think a Christian is supposed to look like. And God's got a way of just jacking up that whole concept of what a christian is supposed to look like if you look through the entire bible he used misfits he used outcasts he used uneducated people that were dirty and unpretty he used people that were caught in sin all of the time to get his message across 
And we're going to sit here and pretend like God can only use perfect church-going-looking people. It's time for us to simplify things just a little bit, you know? Then God says, Jesus is, is speaking to, to the disciples, and he says, I want you to take it a step further. And Mark, put that up on the screen, chapter, I believe it's 16, yeah. He said to them, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Love me, love other people with the same love that I've loved them, and let them know about what I've done in your life now. Simple. Acts chapter 1, Jesus gives this great strategy to the church. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Not or, but and. When I got that in my spirit, it changed my life. This wasn't an optional thing. This is a command for us to love God, to let people know about his love, and to invite them to encounter this Jesus that has done so much in our lives. We find so many different ways to complicate these things if we're not careful. And I, and I hear all the excuses. Well, Josh, I, I would tell people about what God's done in my life, and I would invite people to church. But man, I'm struggling with this. It, I need to get over this first before I can get in a position for God to use me. Guys, it doesn't work that way. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there is always going to be something that we're working on this side of eternity. There's always going to be something that God's trying to grow us through or God's trying to teach us or God's trying to process us through on this side of eternity. We're never going to be at a point where we're perfect in our walk with God. It's a good thing that God uses broken vessels. It's a good thing that God uses messed up people to do the beautiful things for the gospel. Amen? Man, so we're never going to get to the place. So excuses kind of complicate the situation because we feel like we got to get to some certain point in our walk with God before God can use us. It's never been about that. Maybe it's time to simplify it a little bit and say, God, you know what? You love me enough to die for me at my worst moment in life. Every, every sin that I ever committed and every sin that I'm ever going to commit, you knew about it and you died for me anyway. So anything that happens in my life is not a shock to you at all. And if you love me enough then, you still love me enough now. Maybe you can do something with me. Maybe if we simplify it, and uncomplicate the situation, maybe we could begin to see God to move through our lives like we read about him moving in people's lives in Scripture. No different from us. You know, we, we get so complicated and we try to figure out things. Maybe if we just got back to simplifying things and we asked ourselves this question, what can we learn from green eggs and ham? Real deep theological question, right? What can we learn from green eggs and ham? Simplify this thing. Green eggs and ham by Dr. Seuss. A little bit of trivia. How many of y'all know his real name really wasn't pronounced Dr. Seuss? It was pronounced Dr. Soyce. 
Soyce. Isn't that crazy? But everybody called him Dr. Seuss, so he got tired of fighting him. He says, all right, fine, call me whatever you want to call me. He took a bet from one of his writing buddies who didn't think that he could write a book only using 50 words. That's where this came from. He wrote a book using only 50 words, and now we have green eggs and ham. Ah, let's dive through this just a little bit, guys, and let's see. I am Sam. Maybe there's some kind of secret in here. Sam, I am. That Sam, I am, that Sam, I am. I do not like that Sam, I am. Oh. Ah, do you like green eggs and ham? Show you the picture. I do not like them, Sam, I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Would you like them here or there? Good question. Would you like them here or there? I would not like them here or there. I would not like them anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam, I am. All right. So we've established something. Sam liked green eggs and ham. And the other dude doesn't. Sam wants him to like green eggs and ham, but the other dude want, don't want anything to do with it. Would you like them in a house? Would you like them with a mouse? Odd question. I do not like them in a house. I do not like them with a mouse. I do not like them here or there. I do not like them anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them. Sam, I am. Mm. So sad. Dude's getting huffy. Look at him. He's got the mad face on and everything walking away. Golly, Josh, I did not show up on time change weekend when it's cold and rainy outside to have you read a stupid children's book. Maybe we can learn a little bit of something from this. Would you eat them in a box? Would you eat them with a fox? Mm, doesn't sound good. Sam's changing his strategy up here, though. Keeps throwing different options at him. Not in a box, not with a fox, not in a house, not with a mouse. I would not eat them here or there. I would not eat them anywhere. I would not eat green eggs and ham. I do not like them. Sam, yeah, very good. Very good. We're getting this down. Sam keeps on trying. Would you like them in a car? No, don't like them in a car. Maybe you like them in Dude has drove a car up in a tree with him on his hood asking if he'd like green eggs and ham in a tree. That's a little extreme, right? Don't like it in a tree. I don't like it in a car. How about a train? Don't like them in a train. Sam keeps changing and keeps asking this dude if he likes green eggs and ham, and he get in the dark. Oh, wouldn't eat them in the dark. How about in the rain? Kind of fitting for today. I would not, could not in the rain, not in the dark, not on a train, not in a car, not in a tree. I do not like them, Sam, you see, not in a house, not in a box, not with a mouse, not with a fox. I will not eat them here or there. I do not like them anywhere. You do not like green eggs and ham? I do not like them. Sam, I am. You guys are good. We got this. Well, how about a goat? Nope. How about a boat? Nope, not with a boat. Still doesn't like them anywhere. Do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them. Sam, I am. You do not like them, so you say. Try them, try them, and you may. Try them, and you may, I say. Sam just keeps on keeping on. Sam! 
if you will let me be. Holy snap. I will try them. You will see. Sam stayed on this guy who didn't want the green eggs and ham, and now he's fixing to eat the green eggs and ham. This is awesome. Have y'all read this before? This is a cool book. Uh, here we go. He's fixing to try it. Say, I like green eggs and ham. I do. I like them, Sam, I am. And I would eat them in a boat. I would eat them with a goat. I would eat them in the rain and in the dark and on a train and in a car and in a tree. They are so good, so good, you see. And I will eat them in a box, and I will eat them with a fox, and I will eat them in a house, and I will eat them with a mouse, and I will eat them here and there. Say, I will eat them anywhere. I do so like green eggs and ham. Thank you, thank you. Sam, I am. Sam got him. He got him. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. And let's get... No. What? Green eggs and ham, what in the world? Love God. Love other people the way that he loved us. And then let other people know about what he's done in our lives. Very simple. Sam absolutely loved the green eggs and ham. Absolutely loved the green eggs and ham. Other dude didn't want it. Sam didn't stop because he knew the green eggs and ham was awesome. Dude finally tried the green eggs and ham, and he thought it was awesome too. A little bit of a spiritual parallel there, if you look at it. Maybe letting other people know about what God has done in our lives can be just as easy as inviting them in to experience the God that changed us so much. Maybe it's just that easy. Um, look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 40. There's this guy named Andrew who had this encounter with Jesus. Blew him away. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what Han, supposed to be John, had said. Maybe Star Wars is connected to the Bible. Who knows? And who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we found the Messiah. Jesus impacted Andrew. The first thing Andrew did was go back and let somebody know about the Jesus he had just encountered. Maybe it's just that simple. Maybe it's just that easy. If we don't complicate stuff. I love basketball. Hey, it's March. It's March Madness. Man, how many of y'all are into basketball right now? Two people. Let me ask you another. How many of y'all love football? There it is. See, this is how I know this is my church. My people, my kind of church. There's a guy named Rob. There wasn't anything special about Rob. Man, bless you over there. Rob worked a dead-end job. Just to feed his family. He'd go to church. Who feels like catching a basketball? Anybody? Got some hands over here? Oh, yeah. Throw it back. Good throw. That's what I'm talking about. Larry, no, I know better than to throw you a basketball. There's no telling where that's going. 
Wasn't anything special about Rob. Rob worked with a guy who wanted absolutely nothing to do with God or with church. Just so happened, God decided to strategically place Rob right across the street from this guy that he worked with. So they would ride to work together, to and from. And uh, every day, just about on the ride home, Rob would say, hey, man, why don't you go to church with me? And the guy would say, nah, I don't want anything to do with that. A couple of days go by, hey, man, it's the end of the week. Why don't you come to church on Sunday? Nope, I don't want nothing to do with that, the guy would say. Rob noticed that the guy was in his early 20s, and he'd go out and he'd shoot basketball in front of his house. So Rob figured, you know what, I guess I can go over there and do that and hang out with the guy. So Rob would start to go over to this guy's house, play basketball with him. Just hang out. Hey, man, you want to go to church? I want nothing to do with that. After hanging out for a while, Rob figured out the reason why. The guy told him, I don't want anything to do with church. Been to church. Kind of grew up in it, and I saw what was going on. Turns out that the guy that Rob was trying to invite to church had gone through just some, some crazy little legal issues and literally was in the wrong place at the wrong time and uh, got caught up in something. Wasn't even, his, wasn't even his fault. Got blamed for something he had nothing to do with. But when the people of the church got a hold of that information... Do I even have to finish the sentence? I mean, we've all seen how brutal church people can be sometimes. So the rumors started. The lies started. The, all the, yeah, I always knew he was like that started. Um, lies from the youth pastor. And even to the point where, where the, the, the pastor of the church was making statements like, well... If it looks like a duck, and it walks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Found out the pastor really had no conversation at all with the individual, just made the assumption, signed the motive. So this guy got burnt by the church. Wanted nothing to do with it. Still, Rob just kept on him. Hey, why don't you go to church with me? Why don't you come back to church? I don't want anything to do with that. Nothing at all. Been there. God might be kind of cool, but his people are jacked up. I don't want anything to do with that. And uh, basketball invitations. Rob never preached at this guy. Rob never quoted scripture to this guy. Well, the Bible says you shouldn't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Never, never quoted one scripture to this guy. Well, don't you think it's time for you to get over that offense, brother? You know, sometimes when people get hurt, it's because they get hurt. And what we need to understand sometimes is that if it was a big enough deal to impact their lives and affect church attendance or whatever the deal was, then it was a big enough deal to do that. And you should be sympathetic to that, kind of empathetic to that, and not just try to force people into the box we think Christians ought to fit into. Maybe give room for God to do what God wants to do in that person's life. 
never preached at him. Rob never sat down and gave this great apologetics presentation on why the Bible was real and why he needed to, to get his stuff together and get back in church and give his life over to God. Rob just invited and played basketball and invited. Rob kept it simple. You know what happened? God never went to church with Rob. But what he did was, one day, he went down to his room, and he knelt down by his bed, and he pulled out that Bible and started reading it. And God started working in his heart. And it wasn't anything that Rob said, because he didn't make any profound statements. It was just a simple love that was shown to a guy and an invitation to connect with a God that had done something in his life that reached this guy. Sat down and he rededicated his life to God in that basement next to his bed. And it wasn't too long after that, somebody invited him to go to a church called First Assembly of God in Douglasville, Georgia. And he decided to go there and God absolutely rocked his world. And I know the story because I'm the guy, and I've been here with you guys ever since then. But I'm here because somebody took the time just to hang out, just to show love, and just to invite. No scriptures, no dissertation, just love God. Showed the love of God to his neighbor and invited his neighbor to experience the God that had changed his life. Maybe we complicated a little too much. Maybe we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that we shouldn't put on ourselves when it comes to telling other people about the God that we serve and what Jesus has done in our lives. Fast forward a couple of years down the road. I go out to Texas, go to ministry school. I come back. For my first year, and uh, my first year's done, I come back here and I preach a Wednesday night service at, at First Assembly of God at the time. I hadn't changed the name over to Life Point Church. Preached that Wednesday night. It's the first message I ever preached in this church, and it was horrible. <laughs> oh my God, it was horrible. I was so glued to my notes, and I was scared to death, and, and uh, it was funny, Pastor Lance. Lance, he asked me, you know, before we got there, are you ready to preach? I'm like, man, I'm just ready to get in worship. I'm scared out of my mind, you know. Um, I preached that message. It was so bad, man. Those people, I feel so sorry, but they were so supportive. <laughs> Good. Good job reading that stuff, buddy. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. Um, I gave the altar call, and nobody moved. Anybody want to get saved? Anybody want to know Jesus? Nobody moved. And I, which is like your worst fear ever if, if you're preaching one of your first couple of messages because you want the whole world to get saved, you know? Nobody's moving. Oh, snap. Something needs to happen. And I watched this kid stand up in the back. Skinny, goofy-looking kid with this big old mohawk. 
And I think it was it was like a it was purple or something. I can't remember. It had some kind of crazy color. Big old spike mohawk. Dude comes walking up to the front. Had this little swag walk on him. It was funny. He got up there, and it was just him and me. And I prayed with him, and the guy accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior that night. The only dude that responded. He was there because somebody had invited him to church over and over and over again. And he finally said yes. This is a kid that had come out of a, I mean, a horrible home environment. Families were addicted to drugs. He was, he was a heavy drug user at the time. And God just did a work in his life, guys. And you know what he's doing now? He's your student pastor here at Life Point Church. His name is Brad Sims. Is that awesome? All because somebody took the time to invite. You never know what God can do through something very simple. Love Him. Love other people the same way that He loved you. And invite people to know this Jesus that has changed your life. It's that simple. And I, and, and I got to wonder, who got you here this morning? Who got you here? Who was the person that invited you way back when? And I wonder how they did it. And I bet if we, if we were just sat, we just thought and, and went back in time in our mind. For most of us, it may not have been a person who preached at us. It may not have been a person who tried to get us to fix, just to fit into a box. Or somebody who knew all the answers to every question that we had or was able to quote scripture while they walked backwards juggling. You know, it, it probably wasn't somebody that had it all together. But it was somebody that just showed them love, showed you love, and invited you to hook up with this Jesus that has so changed their life. And I'm wondering how many people we could affect for the kingdom of God if we just kept it simple and decomplicated the situation. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with this morning. It doesn't matter whether you got your life all together. God loves you right where you are. He loves you right where you are. There is not one thing you're ever going to be able to do your entire life to earn one drop of blood that Jesus shed for you. But he poured it all out for you. Paid for every sin you were ever going to commit. That's just powerful when you think about it. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I think we feel like we need to, to reach some kind of spiritual plateau before we're able to tell people about Jesus. I don't want people to think I'm a hypocrite. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Now, I'm not saying you can't grow and mature in your relationship with God. We all know we should do that. And we all know that repetitive sin that stays in our lives for a long period of time, well, that's an issue that you need to begin to work out between you and God. But maybe those issues are those issues because we've tried to fix them so much on our own. And we've tried to cram ourselves into the box of what a Christian is supposed to look like. Instead of letting God change us from the inside out. And do it on his terms, his way, through his blood that he shed for us. 
Maybe we, we're just overcomplicating this thing, and we need to simplify it a little bit. Maybe there's a lot of people we could reach with the gospel. If we just realize, you know what, I don't have to have it all together. I've just got to love God. I've got to love people like he loved me. And I just need to connect people to the God that impacted my life. All I have to do is invite them to church. All I have to do is tell them about what God is. That, that is so simple. Just tell them about how good green eggs and ham is. And then just keep on keeping on until they finally try. Because I promise you this, when you get a taste of my Jesus, your life is never the same again. Never the same again. Did you know that Easter is about five weeks away? Give or take five weeks away, Easter. You know, we got a great opportunity here at LifePoint Church to reach a lot of people that Sunday. You know why? Because over 85% of people that you invite to church on Easter weekend say yes. They say yes. And all you have to do is invite. All you have to do is get them here. And I promise you this, and you guys can probably know, when you walk through the doors here, man, there's just a special anointing in this place. And if we can get people here, we can let God do what God wants to do in the hearts of these people. Maybe it's just as simple as us coming together as a church and inviting people to pack out two services to see how many lives God can change through a simple invitation. How many think that would be awesome? Yeah? I wonder what your job would look like if we just became people that invited well, they'll never come to church here. Who cares? We're connecting them to Jesus, not to a church. There are plenty of great churches out there they can go to. This is not a campaign to grow LifePoint Church. This is a campaign to reach people for the kingdom of God. End of story. And let God put them where they're going to grow. So the question is this. How do we simplify stuff? Hmm. Bow your heads and close your eyes.